You are listening to Three Moves Ahead, the official podcast of FlashOfSteel.com. I am your host, Troy Goodfellow, and you are listening to episode number 96, and I got the number right this time. Uh, with me today is my regular panel on this Christmas show. We have freelance writer Julian Murdoch. 96. That's a long time talking to you guys. <laughs> well, you've missed a few. A few. A few. <laughs> And freelance writer Rob Zachney. Good evening. <laughs> Rob, you're coming to us from the wilds of Wisconsin? Uh, no, from northern, from the uh, west burbs of Chicago. The west burbs of Chicago? Even yes. colder. And even worse than Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> Send your hate mail to... Yes. Uh, today we're going to pretty much, uh, not a real topic show, uh, everyone's very busy, uh, we have certainly topics for the next month all lined up, we're just going to talk about some of the stuff that's happening in the strategy world, and if we have time, we'll throw in a little bit of personal stuff at the end, but it's been a pretty big week for strategy gaming, we've had two very big patches for two of the year's big turn-based strategy games, and as you read here first on Flash of Steel, uh, John Schaefer, the lead designer of Civilization, a friend of the show, uh, has left Firaxis and moved on to someplace yet to be disclosed. Probably Facebook. <coughs> Probably Facebook. God damn it. <laughs> no, I, was, I, I, I have been told that it is not, it is not Zynga. There's not much I have, I've been told. He is not moving to Zynga. That does, not move, that does not mean he's not moving to another Facebook company. Uh, but uh, And knowing what I know about uh, Schaefer, um, he thinks uh, Zynga's kind of evil. Uh, I would never say, I <laughs> so would never look say that. Look forward to his next game, Panzer Generalville. <laughs> <laughs> I would play that, though. That's oh, I would play thing. the shit out of that. I would so like, oh man, I gotta check. Oh look, the Panzer IV just unlocked. I'm ready to go. Totally. <laughs> Sign me up. Guys, how many? How much Facebook old Rommel would cost you? <laughs> uh, so we'll, why don't we start with that? Why don't we start with uh, Schaefer moving on um, and our immediate reaction to it? Um, apparently, he spent the last few weeks at Firaxis really crunching on the patch, uh, trying to make sure it was done. And we'll talk about the patch in some detail here in a bit. Uh, but Julian, you met John, and I've met John, uh, and you did. You wrote one, I think the Game Pro story you wrote with Jason Wilson was one of the first big previews of Civ? Yeah, I think so. And actually, I didn't do the interview with John. I did the interview with Sid. That's how <laughs> okay. we split it up. But I, I certainly spent a lot of time listening to it and reading through transcripts and everything else. And, and uh, I, you know, I guess on the one hand, when I read the news, it, you know, Scoop Goodfellow site, I, uh, <coughs> I, I did... I sort of felt sad. I think, you know, that's a natural reaction yeah. because, you know, here we had, you know, the continuation continuation of this great Firaxis Sid Meier franchise. You know, we, we knew we knew the good things that had happened with Soren Johnson in that franchise and the things he's moved on to do. And it's been fun to watch his career. And and we had this sort of great human interest story of a guy like John Schaefer who was so young. I mean, ridiculously young. I mean, literally young enough to be my son. Um doing some really interesting stuff with the storied franchise. And I think doing a pretty damn good job of it. I still think Civ five is, you know, top 10, the uh, turn-based strategy games of all time, maybe top five. I really enjoy Civ five. So I think he did a great job. So to hear that things sort of hadn't worked out just made me sad at the same token. 
I wasn't that surprised because I, we haven't seen sales numbers that, that have any teeth to them yet. But um, I think, Troy, you pointed out that if it had crossed a million units, we would have seen a press release, right? Yeah, we were talking about this in chat and that it's really hard to tell how well Civ Five has done. Um, I'm not as big a fan of Civ Five as you are. I think it's a good game, a very good game, and I think the patch made it better. Um, so it's funny to... You know, see all these links coming from the Civ Fanatics forum to my post, and they're ripping Schaefer apart. Um, the 2K, uh, the Civ, the Civ community is, you know, kind of dancing on Schaefer's grave, saying, "No, oh, he, he got what's coming to him." See, okay, so I'm not, I'm not privy to any of this vitriol. What's, what's the big beef? That Civ Five is not better than Civ Four. That's, that's one of the stupidest critiques you could possibly make. Yeah, that is I, that is that's a ridiculous that critique. Asinine criticism to make of that game. You okay. you may not like it. That's it's totally legitimate to simply say I played Civ Five. I did not like it. I, I'm not going to de- deny anybody's right to say that, but sure. to suggest that somehow, uh, you know, he's getting a comeuppance because he's destroyed a storied franchise, and I've read a few of those kinds of posts. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just flat out wrong. Uh, I think it also implies that. Schaefer was given some sort of magic carte blanche to put Sid's name on whatever the hell he wanted to make, which just isn't true. Sid was involved in this game, you know, as he's involved with everything for access. Exactly. Right. So, um, my, my sense is probably, and, and I have no inside information. My guess is the game didn't sell as well as everybody wanted it to. That makes life miserable when you're sitting inside a developer that, that your, your big budget franchise isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Um, Mm -hmm. John, you know, of the people on that team, he's probably the youngest with the biggest name, probably has the most opportunities to find uh, a fun, exciting project outside for Axis, other than mm-hmm. trying to ferry Civ Five along for another couple years through some expansion packs and budget cuts and, you know, losing friends you've been working with and dealing with the internal politics of that. I can't say I really blame him. I mean, didn't, you know, we kind of saw Soren do the same thing. Yeah, I mean, this. Some people are saying this is just a life cycle of Civ leads. Uh, <laughs> a little, up, I think it's a little truth to that. I mean, uh, Ryan Reynolds left in the middle of the development of Civ Three. Soren left uh, what a few couple of years after Civ Four. Yeah, I think like two years, than, maybe yeah. eighteen months. Well, yeah. maybe eighteen months. And I mean, here's, I mean, here's what I was thinking when I heard <laughs> the news: is, I mean, these are these are talented designers, and many in many ways they have years of creativity left in them. Mm-hmm. Are they go- is Firaxis a studio where you're going to be allowed to make the game you want to make? Or are you well, going to be sitting around waiting for 2K to greenlight Civ Six? Well, this is certainly an issue, and I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the issue of you know what games are coming up next um, and who was allowed to build what played some part in it, because we saw this with Ensemble. I uh, did a story, interviewed the ensemble people after that studio was shut down, and how and they all told me how difficult it was to get Microsoft to greenlight anything that wasn't an age of game. Right. And they would starve the other development teams uh, so that everyone could be working on the next age game, which is their big franchise. I, I think and it's. I think 2K, it's. Okay, you know, it's, it's you know, it's Civ for Axis is Civ is what for Axis does. Um, yeah. At this point, that's it. That's the franchise, right? I mean. Yeah. Right, but I mean, I, but from where it started, I mean, that's that's not that's not where it started, right? When well, Praxis was formed, it was going to be kind of a strategy dream team. Sure, sure, but the but but I think it's important to point out the culture of Firaxis in the sort of Sid Meier way, right? The Sid Meier ethos and the mm-hmm. Sid Meier ethos, and we wrote a lot about this in that story, and and Sid's talked a lot about it in the past. 
you know, it's a culture built around the designer slash programmer model, which is, you know, you come in, you're the, you're the guy who's running the show for the, whatever piece of whatever project you're working on. And you're basically expected to do all of it, right? You're expected to be the one with the core design ideas, figuring out the testing plan, doing the core programming, doing the AI programming, uh, you know, and, you know, in Sid's case, he's sort of notorious for coming in on the weekends and putting new art in when people aren't expecting it. Right. I mean, it is a designer programmer shop and that has got to be a contentious environment to work in because if the thing that you get assigned to work on next doesn't completely line up with what you want to do, it's not like you can say, eh, it's my nine to five job. I've got this other project I'm working on the side because you're expected to own that thing, you know, from every angle. And that's, that's very unusual in game design, right? It's not like you walk into, you know, Bungie and there's like one guy programming their next big game. That's just not how it works. You have teams of people doing different things. And Paraxis is much more monolithic than that. And it's much more personality driven. Yeah. It's, and, you know, Firaxis has had a pretty rough year. They had a lot of layoffs. Um, there's moving to this. I think there's civilization has been broken up in many ways. You have, you know, the whole new DLC model and 2K has been pushing a lot of DLC in all of their products, uh, which is good. Uh, we really haven't seen Civ civilization doled out bit by bit where it's, it's March. You can now buy the Belgians, uh, that sort of thing. And well, we've seen, means, we've seen pieces of that. I mean, you can go to steam well, an and get your, right. get your, well, no, but you can go oh, to yeah. steam and buy, buy this map or civilization. Yeah. I mean, it's what I mean, but the two cases, that's, that's a new way of doing civilization. And that's yes. prob- and then, and that's publisher driven. And I'm sure that means that the civ team, um, was always going to be thinking about civ for a very long time instead of starting something new, uh, getting new civilizations done, making sure they're balanced properly. Um, all of this stuff is, and it's a it's a it's a new way to think about the game and thinking about it constantly and not putting out a full pr- pr- product. Um, and I wonder if there was some tension. Uh, I have no, I mean, I'm just speculating. I know very little about what exactly happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was some publisher developer tension. Sure. Uh, at Firaxis over this issue, it's because it they because they are like you said. There's there's this there's this there's this creative authorial shop at Firaxis. Yeah, yeah. Where you put your imprint on the design and we have a publisher come in and say, well, we need a steady revenue stream, stream so we're going to cut off these parts of your authorial design, or we're going to make you add another chapter uh, to keep the revenue stream going. And that, um, as a designer, frankly, that sounds pretty dull. I think, especially if yeah. you're a young clearly talented designer like john um that sounds like a kind of boring way to spend the next couple of years of your life honestly. well i don't think i don't think there's anything <laughs> about dlc that i mean dlc is one of those things where so often it is demeaning pretty much on every side of the transaction <laughs> the designer the designer is sitting there and basically i mean you're handed this assignment of okay we need you to create something that is going to have value to people but it can't actually be crucial to the game it will be by its definition it will be extraneous to the game and yet, yeah. somehow, people are going to have to want it. And if you're the consumer, or either, either extraneous to the game or critical, and you have to leave it out, right? This yeah, exactly. Late. Yeah, exactly. And then you're going to get crucified for it. And then on the on the consumer side, you've got the developer and the publisher basically standing there in a trench coat, you know, with like opening it up, and there there's all the DLC dangling from the inside of it, you know. You know, <laughs> hey, would you would you like to see my sieves? You know, that sort of thing. I mean, that that's how it is. <laughs> Opening up the coat with all the pockets. 
<laughs> yeah, hey, hey, buddy, I got, I got some Babylonians in here. You, you don't have the Babylonians, do you? No, they didn't put it in the game, but I got it right here. Right here, Babylonians. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Nebuch- bud. Nebuchadnezzar, yes. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, I, I think it's it's a tremendously frustrating thing, and I think it, it I think it has to be even worse if you're not dealing in a narrative type of game, like, say, Mass Effect-type games. I'd mention it's even worse when you're dealing with strategy, which, really, I mean, the way the way you're sort of... At least it seems the way the way most people approach strategy is you want a complete game, and especially Civ Five, which is so pared down. There's there's no slack really left in that design. Like what is there needs to be there. What is gone didn't. And now, what two K is coming along and saying, well, somehow you got to keep going back to this well. Yeah, I mean that's we're just speculating here, um, but I mean that's so it's fun. For yeah, it's fun. I mean, for for Axis has I like. They not releasing the sales figures and not making the announcement that we hit the one million mark for a PC game. Um, I think that's a very big deal, and I think that's a bit of a hint that you know Civ has not been uh, Civ Five has not been the big hit the two K expected. Now I could be wrong. Maybe they just don't do press releases anymore. Um, maybe they for the the PC franchise. Maybe it's is actually quite good. Maybe developer relations are strong. But I mean. Th- I can see someone, you know, young and talented like John chafing uh, under yeah. the. Uh, I you have to build the next civilization, and for access is what they did. Civ Revolution, and now doing Civ for Facebook. Um, you know, Meyer is you know one of the is, is a bona fide genius, and you'd like to think, well, why doesn't he go and do something like really crazy, um, and try to break out of this model because if anyone has to have to do it he might or he might have used to i mean who knows well and and put yourself put yourself in his perspective of career management right if if you don't think that you're going to be a you know a japanese salaryman attached to sid until he formally retires to some yacht somewhere then then when do you make the jump maybe now is exactly the right place to say hey i'm gonna go whatever Join Big Studio X. Go start a little indie project. Go, you know, marry the guy who did Minecraft. Whatever, right? I mean, you know, is there a better time to? Is there a better time in in his career to sort of say, hey, you know what? I got the, got the game patched up. I'm happy with where it's at. Why not go now? I, I think it makes perfect sense. It's very easy for me to tell a story here. So hang yeah. on, I, I'm curious. I mean, <laughs> not to bury Civ Five before it is dead, because I I right. actually. I don't know. It seems like there there was so much built up around that game. Maybe it's just from inside my bubble. It looked like the game was a huge success, but it wasn't. Um, but it just you know it just seems like it's a stretch to say it it wasn't a success, or at least it wasn't as big as Two K ha- hoped. But let's say let's say that's the case. Let's say Two K. Let's say um, Civ Five underperformed. Uh, why do you think that is? Um. Not enough. I think the they announced it so close to release. This wasn't enough of build up or marketing is one thing. Um, I think oh, that. Really? But also, I, but I think the big thing is that Civ Four. Yeah. Uh, people were still playing it. Yep. It wasn't Civ Four was was a durable, durable game that people weren't tired of yet. It was just so easy to mod, and so many excellent mods were coming out. People were not tiring of Civ Four. Um, so Civ Five comes out, and instead of people jumping out to get it. Um, people who have so far doing the wait and see thing, um, and a lot of people, and this is a generational thing too. I mean, I grew up, and I grew up. I went to college with strategy games and civilization. And there's this other gen, there isn't this younger generation of strategy gamers. It's certainly not as big as my generation of strategy gamers um, that will just go out and buy it. 
Um, so I think no. that's I think that that's an issue. It's just the same demographic shift. I, You're just I, not going to get the same sales for Civ Five that you did for Civ Four. Um, and I think it's also true that um, PC gaming has become a little bit more rarefied. I think PC game has also just changed, right? And and I also think that um, you know, just I just look at my own buying behavior, right? I mean, five years ago. Did I own one of every console and an iPad and you know a laptop and a desktop and have choices about where to play games at any given moment of the day? No, I think, I think you're seeing probably the same, if not more, dollars spent on games <laughs> and maybe even spent on strategy games. It's just there are now so many more outlets for it, and right. before it used to just be a PC market for strategy games. Right. And but you know, but games like Civ really, I mean, you're not going to be seeing a lot of those on your iPad yet. Well, Civ Rev isn't too bad on the iPad, that's for sure. Yeah, but Civ Rev, come on. Yeah, I know, but no, but yeah, sure. I mean, there are definitely things that are always going to naturally be better with big, complex interfaces and keyboards and lean-forward games. We talked about that before. Yeah. But my my point is simply that you know, invest in gamers now have to make a choice with their dollar, and they've got way more options than they did even three or four years ago. I think that 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 arose. I mean, um, you know, we don't know exact sales numbers, but I we mean, don't. and I we never will. I mean, well, but but there are. I mean, I can't even believe I'm going to mention these guys, but you know, the the guys at VG Charts do have some way they're trying to track it, and they claim something like half a million in sales for Civ Five, and that feels about right. Yeah, I I until I see where those numbers are coming from, what they're yeah, based good, on. Yeah, that's why VG, I can't even VG imagine. Charts is like. I mean, it's like, it, just, yeah. it just seems like there's so many people withholding data now that it's just impossible to really speculate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, when did when did uh, Beyond the Sword come out? 2005? 2006? Um, yeah, I think the six, maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just no. I, I think you're absolutely right, Troy. It's, it just seems like that that game. 2007. 2007. Not yeah, that so, long ago. Yeah, yeah, really not. I mean, that that was the problem. I mean, from from the moment they announced it, I was interested, but it was kind of one of those things where I wasn't at that fever pitch where I was like, "Man, I need me some more sieve." Yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know, I think that's that's what really sells a sequel, and a lot of other you know franchises have it easy because they're telling you a story. You know, like. You know, like what's Master Chief going to do next? What's what's Shepard going to do to save Earth? Um, but but Civ doesn't have that. Civ's I mean, Civ's kind of unchanging. And what what you sell is is the appeal of the new design and maybe the new graphics. Well, Civ Four still looked good, still looks good. Um, and if you're if you if you love Civ since Civ One, Civ Two, um, that is enough in that tradition. You know, it's it's clearly evolved from that tradition. It's the best version of that game. Civ Five is a departure, and you're going to get the Civ fanatics who, I mean, it's right there in the name. They're fanatics for a particular type of civilization game, and they don't they don't want something that's experimental. Um, and the rest of us, I think, you're just you're just not going to get that intensity. I, I think it's also worth. I mean, we we we've been doing a little bit of a love fest here on Civ Five, but and and I put myself in that camp. There are a lot of people who just destroyed this game over the AI on release, and for well, the, the AI, hard the, for the, the hardcore, is, it's a bad AI. Yeah, it was and, and a bad for AI. hardcore for the hardcore Civ audience, that really matters, right? I mean, that matters a lot. Um, I mean, and the, the funny thing is, you go back and read these same forums of the Civ. 
the Super Civ fans, what they said about Civ 4 when it came out, which also had, you know, not stellar AI and had a lot of problems uh, with the naval game. Uh, you could see where it was going, and many of the same complaints were laws that you see against Civ 5. Uh, so whether these will hold or not, it remains to be seen. Do you um, think that the the sort of not simultaneous but coincident release of uh, StarCraft 2 may play into this? The people made a choice I, I to think, buy one game. I feel like StarCraft 2 hurt every strategy game that came out afterwards. Yeah, I could say if people were going to buy one strategy game a year, um, it would be StarCraft 2. I mean, you haven't. It's and they came out so close together. It really did. Within a month of each other or something. Uh, so I, I I can certainly see people if they're going to buy one, they're going to buy StarCraft, and that sold how many millions? Like ninety bazillion, I think. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Then Blizzard invents its own numbers. They do so many sales <laughs> uh, because they can. You know, why not? Uh, so I think I think that was certainly. Yeah, from again, we're speculating that Civ was a financial failure, which we have no evidence for. But hey, it's Christmas. Give us this. Well, I, I suspect I suspect it's it's closer to say it probably underperformed. From yeah. what were probably 2K. overly optimistic estimates from 2K. Sure. And yeah. look I, th- I, think, how, I think that's fair to say. And if you look at the cutbacks that have already happened at Firaxis, I mean, it, it just seems to me like, you know, it, it just seems to me like Firaxis is being milked a bit by 2K. It's you know, it's a strategy studio, and they've got a well-known property, and that's what that's what 2K wants. It wants a low-cost, uh, you know, high-return studio from Firaxis, and it didn't quite live up to that ideal. Yeah, it's certainly possible. Um, so uh, we wish John, uh, of course, very best where he moves on. He's always been a friend of the show. Um, I had a very pleasant breakfast with him at E3 where we just talked baseball the entire time, not even talking work, just talked baseball. So that's why uh, the AI wasn't good. Yeah, exactly. He was just thinking about that. I, I got the Washington Nationals in his brain, so exactly. the AI sucked. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, wherever you end up, John, and please come on, come on the podcast. We know you'll listen. Uh, hope we can have you on sometime soon and we could talk about Panzer General. Classic game analysis, Panzer General. How about it? So there's but the pitch. Before we bury Caesar, let's discuss his patch. Let's discuss the patch. Um, so Rob, you put in quite a bit of time and you and I talked about it, uh, over chat, uh, the other night. Um, why don't you describe what's in this patch and what it changes, or what it's supposed to change? Um, and you can't say everything. Well, no, it's not everything. It, I it, mean, there it, are some big notable ones. Yeah. It really isn't. I mean, like, you know, a lot of the changes aren't changes. Like, I mean, I don't have the patch notes open in front of it. I know certain building values were tweaked. Um, and those sorts of things actually make quite a big difference when you're constructing your empire i think there's a few more buildings that uh produce a little bit of culture in addition to happiness it's a small change uh but it matters when you're discussing a wonder and and you have the social policy trees but um really what i've been trying to focus on is how it affects the ai right uh because that was change right that's a big change yeah that was supposed to be the big change right and you know i mean i i I alternate pretty wildly between thinking it's vastly improved and yet there's still really annoying gaps in it. Um, but I, I will say that I, I, I will say one big change I noticed right away. You know, we discussed end games last. It, it, we discussed end games last uh, week, and we sort of agreed that Civ, in many cases, doesn't have them. Well, here it, it really seems to me like the AI is 
in in the last hundred turns or so, the AI sort of wakes up to the fact that it's got to stop you from winning, or it has to stop someone from winning. And in the games I've played since the patch, the last 150 turns are just absolute chaos um, as civs go to war with each other to prevent victories. Really? I haven't noticed that. Do you want to give an example? Because I have not seen that. Oh, God. Um, well, I mean, I was playing a culture victory uh, strategy as the Siamese. I had three cities. Um, and I just started racking up the wonders, and um, Nobunaga, who'd you know, been pretty cool with me, um, you know, as like it was right as we were hitting the modern era, he just, you know, he just went over the edge and came after me really hard. Perfect relations until then, uh, but the moment, I don't know, it was some late game wonder. The moment that went up, he denounced me, and then he came after me. Well, let's um, let's let's dig into diplomacy because I've only played uh, one and a half games since the patch, and the diplomacy changes sort of struck me as the most obvious, right? Little I, things like, you now know whether somebody likes you. <laughs> yeah. It's a big change, and they'll, and they'll interrupt you more often and say, that was a bad move, why did you do that? And they'll let you know who they like and who they don't like. Oh, I'm glad you're denouncing so-and-so, I think right. he's a jerk. And the oh, denunciations and declarations of friendship thing yeah. feels much more like real diplomacy. I mean, it's still, I think, weak, but at least you feel like you're doing something and it's having some impact. Yeah, I mean, though that I wasn't quite sure how those things would work in because the old diplomatic system was just so much of a black box. Yeah. That when they said uh, we're yeah. adding these two new things, you almost had to ignore it. It was just it, it was like it, was, it wasn't it was worth to, trying to play. They were everything you did they would upset the AI that all come after you. And right. with their stupid little puny little soldiers, and you'd crush them because they don't know how to fight the wars. Um, so I wasn't quite sure how the diplomatic changes would work, but I love the transparency. I love knowing not just when they're hostile, but when they're friendly or when they're a little bit wary of you. Um, and I like how often they interrupt you and say, and it's really in your face now. You actually do feel like you are engaging with other civilizations. Um, yeah, well, and, and there's little things like, <laughs> you know, those, those things that used to be sort of annoying, like, would you go attack those guys in the corner, please? Right. Which, which was one of my biggest complaints about the game at launch was just the number of times your quote unquote allies would expect you to go take out the laundry. Right. Yeah. Um, if you actually start saying no, that actually hurts you now, right? So you now actually have to think about, well, if I'm going to be friends with this guy and I actually want to keep friends with him, I actually have to pay attention when he asks yep. me to go take out the laundry. Uh, something I'll yeah. say, by the way, is one thing that always bugged me in old civs is someone to ask you, oh, join me in this war. Except what they're really saying is, you fight this war for me and I'll be really happy. Mm -hmm. um, here, what I've, what I, what I've noticed um, is that when I've, when I've joined an AI in a war on another faction, um, their troops show up to the battle. Um, I'm not. I'm not just there fighting their war for them. I arrive and I'll be holding it down, and then I will see like a massive wave of German reinforcements show up. Well, that's cool. Yeah, that I mean, it, it makes I haven't it seen that, but that is new. No, I I have totally seen it, and it makes it makes a big difference when I'm sort of calculating whether or not I want to help them, right? Because you don't want to be left twisting, right? Um, and to have the AI actually show up to the wars it starts um, is a pleasant change. 
Right. Yeah, I, I one thing that I, I really liked about uh, about Civ Five right at launch was sort of the happiness mechanics, right? I mean, I really sort mm-hmm. of felt like that all worked out, like keeping my people happy. I say it felt a little sim ish, but I really kind of enjoyed it. Right. Um, and one thing that I did notice in my one game was it, it used to be that you could just sort of let happiness go for a while, I mean, particularly with certain civilizations. Um, mm-hmm. But now, now your your country will actually revolt, which is really kind of fun. I mean, I, I didn't win that game, but <laughs> um, but you actually get rebels everywhere and stuff. I, I thought that was kind of cool. And the and I've golden never let ages. That, I've never let it get that bad. How 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 how, did, how far did you let it go to hell? I don't know, fifteen or so. Whoa, you're kind of a terrible king, yeah, aren't you? I, I, no, but I've just I'm just playing with one. the system. I'm not saying okay. that's like my main strategy. Yeah, I, I, I was, was thinking that was a Julian Murdoch signature move. Like, what what's going on? <laughs> Jeez, like I need abuse like this. But the uh, the flip side of it is, I th- I think it's the case. I I looked at the patch notes a while ago, but I um I think it's the case that golden ages are now either more frequent automatically or just the need for the happiness triggers are lower or something like that. Um, which, they, which, they've they've tweaked the golden ages and they've also made uh they've also capped happiness from a city to its population. So you can't have a city with only five people producing ten global happiness. Oh, very clever. Mm. Um, yeah, it just that all felt a little bit better. It was a system I already liked, and now it feels a little tighter. Yeah. Um, so one thing that you know kind of drives me, like, I'll go back for one second and say that Troy, you were saying that when the AI declared wars, it clearly didn't know what the hell it was doing under the old under the old version. Yeah, and the I, I totally agree. Yeah. Um, I'm saying I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it's it's definitely improved. Like I have seen the AI attack in waves. Okay, because that that was the big problem with the first uh, with Civ when it came out was it would have pretty much one it would have one shot in his rifle pretty much it would right. send out tons of troops take a couple of cities but have nothing to back them or or it would do I haven't seen this in the last two games I played it would do the you know I I build one big <laughs> expensive unit and I send it into the maw yes <laughs> you know yeah. to just get slaughtered right oh that's like that's another thing they keep their units adjacent way better than they used to. And they protect the siege units better. Yeah. The big problem I've seen is city spacing is now broken. Okay. How so? Um, they will cram where I would put three cities, they'll put six. So you have a bunch of cities that are kind of feasting uh, on each other's bad empire re- yeah. resource area. Now, it's kind of great defensively because you have all these cities. that are, so Every square in the empire is in two hexes of two cities. So, yeah, you keep getting shelled. Um by the city defenses, but uh, the city placement is completely borked because Ooh, they can't get any they can't get any development going. Mm-hmm. Uh, every every city is probably churning out tons of specialists, so if they can then, or their population goes. But the population will be capped at a certain level because there just isn't enough food to go around for them to grow. So uh, I, I'd never that's thought of a, that as a strategy, like making a little carbon ring of cities that all keep uh, contact with each other. That's an interesting yeah, bad I mean, idea. It's a bad uh, strategy. That, it, it does, it's an interesting idea. It may it be is. a bad idea, but it's an interesting one. I mean, if this was just one civilization doing it, I mean, I think, okay, it's just the, the, an idiocratic civilization because of the terrain or something. But, you know, it's the Chinese and the Egyptians and the Romans all doing it, and the Siamese plopped down oh, a city. Well, but everybody and, knows those were exactly the same. There's no no cultural difference between any of them. Hey, right. What, am I <laughs> what 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 really needs to be changed in the AI is its mania for colonizing desert islands. 
Um, like someone just needs to sit the AI down and be like, you know, just because you're sailing on a ship and you see like a small landmass, you don't have to put a city there. It's okay to let it go. Well, they've kind of overcompensated because one of the problems was the AI would never leave the continent. So, and the patch says, "Oh, we fixed it. Now the AI is more excited about going and colonizing other continents, going cities offshore." Oh God, yeah, it's like there's just this, this one hex island, and they plop the city on it, and it's surrounded by water. It's like, what the hell are you doing? Um, I'm never going to invade it. I don't have to. Why would I want that crap city? So I guess it's pretty safe. Um, the the one thing that kind of the the kind of bugs me is you know now that I've played the game quite a bit more I don't think it's just that the AI is bad on the attack I think the defensive has been given so many advantages in this game that it's just I mean it's unfair to even consider an AI can really yeah. pose a major offensive well, threat especially now, especially, now, especially now uh, in the post patch because they've nerfed uh, horsemen not that the AI ever built many horsemen but they've nerfed horses going into cities, and they've weakened uh, ranged units, not non-siege units like archers and crossbowmen. They've weakened their attack on cities. Yeah. So, so you end up with these ridiculous like, rings of archers around a city firing and firing and firing, and the city's just making mincemeat out of them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the, the defense is super strong. Uh, in, it always was strong in Civ Five. Yeah, I think yeah I was, but that, that just doesn't seem like much of a change. It always felt like defense won. Yeah, but now it's even stronger, and you could, it, it's noticeably stronger. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, yeah, defense usually won, but I think what, what really kills it is, you know, there's there's that one social policy. I think it's in um, tradition, uh, where you get a major bonus whenever your troops are fighting on your soil. Yeah. And later in the game, there's a wonder that provides, I think, is it Himeji Castle? That gives you a, a, a bonus, yeah. Yeah, so you could, you could go in there where you're attacking a faction that has straight out of the gate like a 50-60% bonus because it's fighting on its own soil. How the hell are you supposed to overcome that? Even if you've got a great general, even if, like you, at that point you're in the realm of like four, five to one advantages in manpower, and that's just unreasonable for the smaller scale of this game. And the and great generals have been weakened. In this patch, down to there are twenty percent bonus, not a twenty five percent bonus now. Okay, yeah. So, so I, yeah, I, I think they really need to. You know, it's weird because like in Civ, in Civ Four, I enjoyed just sort of managing my empire so much that I just got pissed off when wars broke out. I was right. like, "You me have too. to be kidding me!" Um, this game, Montezuma, it's, go it's, to hell. It's finally a war game I want to play. Right. But these wars, it's like it's like you know, wading through. It's like wading through quicksand. You know, where it's just you're 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 slogging through the enemy, and you realize you're just you're wasting your time. You know, you're never going to wars drift towards stalemate way too easily, and I think it's it's a, it's a real frustration with this game. Yeah, I don't have any stalemates because when I go to war, I go all out, <laughs> and I make them I make them capitulate very nicely. So I haven't had any stalemates. I have had points where I'm just tired. Of fighting, I'm just bored of fighting, and I want to get that wonder done. Uh, but I haven't had many stalemates, just annoyances and frustrations um, because of, of course, the uh, stupid cities that are so close together, always shelling me. That's just annoying and stupid. Um, so that was the big patch. With the big Civ patch, there's got to be another one coming. Um, there are still some problems with this game. There has to be another big patch somewhere along the line. 
Um, I think they need another victory condition for otherwise, you know, Genghis Khan's uh, special power is useless. I don't see what it actually gives Ref- him. Refresh my memory. He has a bonus for capturing city states. Yes, that's right. And capturing city st- and fighting city states, and- which has never been a particularly powerful strategy, anyway. Exactly, because the cities you're better off keeping the city states on your side. Right yeah. until until you need to just roll over them and get it over with. At which point you've already won the game. Effectively. Yeah, and, and they're way worse. They're way worse to take than uh, faction cities. Yeah, because they they keep up with you to tech wise. That's why. Yep. Um, so that bonus is all well and good, but your victories in general in general all of the victories require or are easier to get uh, with the city states on your side and not being conquered. Well, that. that you know, in, in, in this game I played as the Romans where I was going for space victory, and I know I told you about this, Troy, but uh, it was one of those things where it was one step forward and one step backwards, I don't know, um, where the Arabs were in the game, and they had 18,000 gold toward the end of the game. Which you never see. Like, I have ne- I've never seen it. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. I was talking to him, and he hated me, of course, because I was, you know, building the Apollo project. They had 18,000 gold. And then, you know... It's like 2024, and he builds the United Nations, and now we're in voting phase. Um, and the first vote, he came within two votes of getting the diplomatic victory. Now, until this point, I'd never seen an AI come anywhere near this close to getting the diplomatic victory. No, like, I've never seen. I've never seen, never seen more than more than two. I've never seen more than two votes for an AI. Right, he got he got to like seven. Um, but here's my question. So it's awesome that it is competing for that victory, but with 18,000 gold, how the hell did he not get it? Yes. Like, that, that's, that's my next question. I'm glad he's competing, and because that's, that was one of my big complaints with earlier versions, is that it felt like all the victory conditions were for me. It was like a solitaire challenge, and the AI was there to be a speed bump most of the time. Uh, but here it was competing, but then, but then I have to ask, well, he clearly had the means to win that victory. If you've got the money, you can buy the city states, every single one in the game with 18,000. But, but um, I never get the sense that the AI spends its money particularly well anyway. Right. Right. But if you're over here, it is trying to compete, obviously trying to compete, but competing poorly. Right. Uh, if you have, unless, I mean, got the treasury before it had gotten those eight votes or after. See, that's the thing. I wasn't quite clear in that story. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd seen, I'd seen his money before he got the votes. Yeah, so maybe he did spend all that money to get the eight votes. Yeah, but all it takes is 500 apiece for city-state. Yeah, he may have gone for the thousand. Who knows? So they would really like it. Yeah, it's, it's bizarre. It was, just, it, was, it was a bizarre moment because he should have won. Now, the next vote, I mean, I was worried that the AI was just going to drift toward a victory, so I ended up sort of Emptying my treasury to, you know, keep other city states um, out of his clutches, but it was it was a little frustrating because you know I'm glad to see the AI still fighting for these victories, um, but a little disappointed that it just doesn't seem to be it doesn't seem to close the deal, doesn't seem right. to know how. At least it, at least it's where there is a deal, but it it needs to get a little better at that. That's great. I mean, I'm glad that you saw that because I still haven't, um, but. I've only played a couple of games uh, in the new patch. Um, and one of them I got a diplomatic victory, and one of them I got a science victory. Uh, so, no one was really quite close to me. Yeah, uh, you. What about the other big patch? Have you guys managed to actually get uh, Elemental working with its giant billion line long patch notes? <laughs> that was something, wasn't it? 
Yeah, I, uh, I I played it for PC Gamer um, and wrote up a little bit for them, and there's a link to it in an earlier post, and I may link to it again. We'll see. Uh, they asked me to revisit revisit uh, 1.1. I talked about it on their podcast last week. Um, and the patch helps. Uh, it's a better game, uh, obviously a better game. Uh, the AI is slightly more challenging. Uh, the magic is certainly more interesting and more and better explained. Um, the interface changes are great. It's actually a game you can understand when you walk in. Uh, but the, the two big problems of Elemental are still there. The AI still cannot really compete on the strategic level or the tactical level. It can make some good exploration decisions. Um, it may sometimes surprise you with a large army, but not a well-put-together army. Um, and uh, tactically, it still doesn't use magic, right? Strategically, it will, but not tactically. And it's more interested in buffs than destruction spells, which is a mistake because Elemental is all about destruction. But the big problem is it's still not a very interesting world to play in. Um, this great mythology that Brad Wardell wrote is just not in the game yet. So it's hardly a game that I can say, oh, yeah, you should go and play it now that 1.1 is here. Because it's still pretty, pretty boring. It's pretty bland. Uh, it is a gray, gray world more colors of brown than you have ever seen in a game. So it's it's a step forward and but not uh but it's not finished yet. I, I, I can see that it's going to get better on the time for I I'm actually I have, you know, kind of hope and optimism that the first expansion is going to, you know, move the game in a really good solid direction. But it's really, really not there yet. Um Despite the length of the patch notes, uh, which are epic, epic in length. Yeah, my my unfortunate experience was, ooh, new patch. I'll try a clean install, run the patch on it, and I still can't get either of my two PCs to run it for more than five minutes. Oh, man. Really? I, it's, oh, I don't man. Know, I, and I don't do anything super fancy with my machines, but no. I, and, and I, I looked in the patch notes, and the crash patch notes are like 300 lines long. Like, fix this yeah. crash, fix oh, that crash. God. And I was very encouraged. Right. And, uh, you know, I'll keep sending in my DX Diag files. And <laughs> because I've had no stability problems whatsoever I, I know, since, I, since, since, since the new patch. It's, it's completely binary. Right? It's completely yeah. binary. Some yeah, people I know have no problems at all. And then right. I know four or five people like me who've basically been like, eh, I could wait for a refund or I could wait for a patch. It really doesn't matter either way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's weird how this game has had so many problems. Um and many of them just very hard to track down. It seems I don't know, but I was surprised how many. I was hoping that uh, the crash notes would make the game more stable, and it did for some people. I'm, obviously, I'm sure it did for some people, right? They fixed 300 and something odd crash bugs, but I'm an outlier. Maybe, maybe you're in the next 300. I, I probably need to like do. You know, it's been at least nine months since I've wiped my Windows machine. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Reformat your hard drive. What could I think? What, what can I be thinking? I haven't reformatted my hard drive like since the last election. You know. Yes. You know, yeah, it's, go ahead, Rob. No, go on, go on. I don't, go ahead. Um, well, I was actually going to take the conversation back to Civ for one second, so let's continue. Okay. With uh, I was just going to say that you know the. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Now, go ahead, Rob. Oh, see, now I ruined. I ruined three moves ahead. Now, many of you would say, you, "Well, I did you that, ruined I did it that every week." <laughs> <laughs> that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but no, I did. I did want to ask you guys one thing. I mean, how have your opinions of Civ Five 
evolved and changed since it came out. It's not a game that I play as often as I played before when it came out, still. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I have uh, about 200 hours played. Jeez. <laughs> and that's not counting the, 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 the press version. I think that's against the Geneva Convention. I it think you violated some. Now, a lot of this you know, is, is for work and, of course, yeah, for the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, oh. and for the National Character Series, I go in and I play it out and, and test out the sieves and see how they play and take screenshots I never bother uploading and using. And then I get sucked in because Montezuma was a prick. Uh, but it's I've, I've put in a lot of time in Civ Five, a lot more than I probably should have, considering I have so much work to do. And it, but I figure those I could spend those two hundred hours playing Civ, or I could spend those two hundred hours reading the manual for War in the East. <laughs> so <laughs> and not actually get to playing the game at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, which I am playing, uh, by the way. Um, but my God, is that a big game? I, I would say my opinion of Civ Five. I mean, I I, I classically go <laughs> through a phase of oh my gosh, shiny, and think that everything that I touch is the best thing ever, and then wane on it. And to me, I did that with Civ Four as well. I, I played the heck out of it for I don't know forty fifty hours. Thought it was the best game in the universe, and then really really cooled on it. Um, and then really didn't get back into it until Beyond the Sword when I was like, oh, my God, this is the best game ever and went through another giant addiction spike. Um, I think I'm done with my first addition, addiction spike on this. Um, I, I still think it's got a ways to go. I'm I'm still excited to see what they do with it. I think it's a great engine. I can't wait until modders really get their claws into it and do some stuff that, you know, we, we I mean, we saw Fall from Heaven, too. Right. We saw some great games come out of Civ 4. I'm really hoping we see that at a sub five, but I'm guessing that's probably another nine to twelve months off. Yeah, I think it's going to be a while before we see anything like the Dune uh, mod or Fall from Heaven two on sub five because it did take a while for that stuff to really mature yeah. uh, because of the new engine and stuff. But I'm sure it will come. Uh, the modders uh, in the Civ community do some really great work, and when a good one comes out, I'll probably install it and point to it, and we'll see. Um, so. This is not the last podcast of the year. We have one next week where we'll be talking about bronze and speaking to the, the lead designer, Alex Kuzanok of Dream Spike Studios, to talk about his really, really great uh, light strategy game. Uh, one of my favorite strategy games of the year. Um, and this isn't our year-end wrap-up show. That is the first week of January, and I need to write my big end-of-year awards crap thing. Um but do we want to say anything about the year that has passed, or do we want to save that for two weeks' time? Well, in two weeks, we definitely we're, we're going to dig into you know game to the year and those kinds of things, right. right? Right. I mean, I would just say that this was a. I, I still feel like this was a great year for strategy games, and I found strategy games in surprising places. I mean, I played. So, I mean, we probably won't talk much about this next week, but I played so many board games online that it probably dwarfs my RTS slash TBS strategy gaming. I mean, yep. between things like memoir 44 online and, and 1960 online through game table and Brett Spielwelt, I played, just, you've been playing a lot of 1960 lately. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. Um, and, and I, I really think that there's, I think that's sort of the current revolution. I think that that's something that mobile gaming is encouraging. Um, I think you know slightly more liberal understandings of copyright 
have have made uh, developers more likely to say, yeah, sure, go ahead, make a Java version of my game. It'll help me sell the board game version. Right. Um, I, I think I think that's a, a real story, and I think that the future of strategy gaming may be blending with board gaming. And you know, we're going to talk about bronze next week. Uh, to me, that's a classic sort of hodgepodge between the two. Right? That's like a mashup of a board game and a video game. Yep. And uh, I, I think that's that's what I'm most excited about, and that's kind of what I had the most fun with last year. Rob, you have anything to add? Um, you know, I mean, as far as like strategy goes, I mean, I think I think it was a great year for me. The big surprises were uh, war games. I know that one of the things we were sort of toying around with uh, to talk about tonight was like our great moments, um, our great strategy gaming moments of the year. And as I was thinking back on some of the most memorable gaming moments, not just strategy or war games, but just memorable gaming moments. You know, I was surprised to be, you know, going back to games like Octung Panzer or um, Scourge of War, where, I mean, you know, these are these are games that not a lot of people are going to play. Um, you know, they're kind of off in their own little, you know, cul-de-sac, really. Um, but, you know, quietly, some of the best war gaming in years is happening totally under, under the radar. Um, and, and for me, that's been one of the pleasant one of the pleasant surprises is a lot of experiences that I kind of thought, you know, were lost to us when you know there weren't going to be any more um, Sid Meier Civil War games or when there weren't going to be any more um, Atomic Games close combats. Uh, those experiences are still alive and well, um, and that's been that that was a complete delight this year. Yeah, I mean, it's been a very good. It's been a good year for strategy games. I mean, it hasn't been a, a great year for AAA strategy games, but it's been a great year for a lot of the smaller strategy games. It's really been there have been so many good tiny titles that I've had chances to play and get into. Not nearly as deeply as I would like, because you know, one of the perils of being someone who's paid to review games is people pay to review the games they want you to write about. Um, now in I have enough of a reputation now that sometimes I can get a good pitch past people and say, this is something you really want to check out. And so, you know, I've actually been able to sell a review of War in the East, say, you know, we should really be covering this, um, which is great. Um, but it's, it's, but it's, it's been a very interesting year uh, for strategy games. And for me, I mean, my personal uh, strategy game, you know, best moments are all somehow connected uh, to helping other people learn about them. Um, this podcast has certainly done that. I've gotten a lot of questions on FormSpring and email just, saying... Just admit, it, just admit it, Troy. We're the best thing in your life right now. You yeah, can say it. We're just we, we're <laughs> you know ruling what? your world. You're pretty, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're pretty damn close. Uh, <laughs> Which you know, is really you both, sad. You, you poor you, bastard. You're kidding? <laughs> it is, actually. But I've had a lot of chances to expose people to stress. I want, I, they're they've only played StarCraft, and they want to play a Paradox game. Where should they start? Or what's a good... They're interested in Napoleon, but they've never played a war game about it. Are they good Napoleon war games? Um, friends who have only dabbled or have been out of it for a while, you know, showing them showing them the ropes and teaching them what's in it. Um, most of my great strategy moments are connected to the evangelism, um, the, the sharing uh, of this genre that I love so much and still love and I wish I had even more time for uh, and more time to blog about. Um, this is this hasn't been a secret from any of the 
comments on my posts and some posts even up on my blog. So even some even upbraided me for mentioning uh, how difficult that I've been going through some stresses in my life. Someone even upbraided me for mentioning that. Well, too bad I'm going to mention it. Uh, <laughs> how dare you, know, you be a human being? Yeah, how, how you? Wait, wait, Pete, you have been <laughs> reprimanded for discussing that there are other things in your life? Well, I've mentioned a couple times on my blog that stuff was going wrong in my life, and that was apparently... Other than, too much information. No, Whoa, other man. than knowing Whoa. us, right? That's yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. But anyway, I understood where he's coming from because I, you know, to put that sort of thing in a blog without any context strikes people as bizarre. Um, but I will. This has not been an easy year for me in many ways. Uh, but you know, strategy games, the strategy gaming community, and my editors and my friends have really convinced me that you know this is that what we do in this show is important. Um, you know, pushing for the genre, and I, I love doing it. And yeah, Rob and Joe, you're the two most important guys in my life right now. Except me. Oh. And Santa. And oh, Santa. Merry, Merry Christmas, and pre- Troy. And, 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 and President Obama. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Troy. Yes, exactly. Well, on, 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 just on, that, on that note of, you know, the, the show is important. And, um, I, I, you know, something I kind of wanted to ask you guys, you know, in front of the listeners. Um, <laughs> what, do, what do we want to do with this? What do we want to do with this thing next year? Like what would what we'd like to change? What we'd like to do more of? What what are your New Year's resolutions for three moves ahead? New Year's resolution. I want to do more multiplayer. I want to do multiplayer shows. Yes. I want us to do multiplayer games. I want us to play them. That means you bring in, we have to bring in a fourth, or you know, get Tom out of formaldehyde, or <laughs> is that where he's been? It's actually he's a Futurama character now, and we just haven't brought Tom's head onto the show, but. <laughs> We we kid Tom because we love him. He's like a brother to me. Uh, I do want to do more more multiplayer shows. I, I we did Julian, you and I and Tom did one for uh, Dawn of War, and I loved it. It that was, was a awesome. Blast. That was a great show. And I want to do more. I don't want to do more of that. I want to get. Um, we're at the point now where we can actually get well, not anyone we want, but damn it, if Brian Reynolds doesn't come on this show next year, I quit. Oh, uh, we can get him. We can get him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I want, to get, I, want to, I want to get Brian Reynolds on the show. That's, that's my resolution. More multiplayer and Brian Reynolds. How about I, you, Rob? You have resolu- any resolutions for the show? Anything you want besides taking it over when I die? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> um, which I will be helping along uh, at Pax East. <laughs> um, well, you know, I mean, my resolution is in, in the vein of more multiplayer, um, I want us to be better at discussing real time strategy games. Uh, you know, I think we, we have this problem where we are all playing a bunch of different games, a lot of times for pieces we're writing. Um, but we, we rarely get the time to, you know, focus in on one game and really learn how the hell it works. Um, I think we got kind of rightfully slapped around for some of the inaccuracies we brought up with StarCraft uh, because we just aren't familiar enough with the game. And it's a wasted opportunity because, you know, we we all talk all the time. We all, you know, hang out online all the time. Um, Why the hell are we not doing that in the context of real-time strategy or just playing games multiplayer? Um, I I think it's it's something where it's it's much easier for us to fit a turn-based strategy game or a single-player strategy game into our lives. Uh, But one thing I, I really like to do is to be able to delve a little deeper into how competitive games really work. I think that's a good idea. I think it's totally fair. Totally fair. Julian? Do you have any I, resolution besides leaving uh, Game of Thrones jobs? And <laughs> uh, I, I actually want to. I want to like. I want to meet more listeners. 
period, yeah. like meet more gamers, whether that's at PAX or PAX East or or getting down to the D.C. area for one of your little meetups. Or the long uh, overdue Boston you, area meetup. The lost over long overdue Boston area meetup. I definitely want to do that. I mean, every time I do that, I'm always like nervous about it, and then it ends up being awesome. Yeah, we have great listeners, and there will be a DC uh, meetup in January. Uh, by the way, uh, Dr. Garrick has promised to come up for it once we have it all uh, planned out and the date and location picked, and give him advance warning. So there will be a DC area meeting next month. Uh, so if you're in the area and want to meet uh, Bruce Garrick. And who doesn't want to meet Bruce Garrick? Uh, I'm still there friends. There will be one. You should be. And yes, a Boston meetup. You guys could do it anytime. Um, I can. I'll, I'll. I'll send you buttons to pass out. Um, there you go. And with, with with an offer like that, how can you refuse? <laughs> I always give up buttons. It's what we do. Uh, so our great audience, thank you for being here uh, in 2010. Um, this has been a pretty good year for the show. Uh, traffic has grown. The podcast reputation has grown. Thank you all for spreading the word. Uh, as we try to evangelize for strategy games, uh, you guys are out there evangelizing your three moves ahead. And I get lots of emails, positive and negative, mostly positive, And you guys are awesome. So have a nice Christmas. Uh, help Santa brings you an AI for Elemental. And that it all works out fine. Good night, all. Good night. Merry Christmas, everybody. Ho, ho, ho. You sound like Santa when you say that. I am. <laughs>